Hello, welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. I'm your host, Erin. I'm a Philly-based healing artist, and this is another year of the Living Open podcast, so thanks for being along for the ride. I did a little New Year's ritual with my partner yesterday on Sunday, and it was just soft and simple and sweet, and it really had me reflecting on the power of ritual and how meaningful ritual makes my life, and I know most of y'all are probably on the same page, but I was really reflecting on how easy it is to let all of the magic get sucked out of life because I mean, for so many reasons, because life is hard um, and traumatizing and boring sometimes, and it's so easy to, yeah, to not be present to the magic that's available to us, and I think that when we choose to open to magic, to bring intentionality to these transitions, like New Year's, like seasonal transitions, um, for me anyway, that makes life so much more meaningful and more vivid and more alive, more pleasurable. So yeah, I guess that's my New Year's gratitude. <laughs> if I have a gratitude, um, is for ritual, for the integration and the weaving of ritual into my life and even how the smallest and simplest and sweetest of things can become ritual when we bring that presence and that intentionality to it and it's really relevant to this episode which is an interview with raven rose where we talk a lot about ritual along with dream work and accessing cyclical wisdom so raven is an herbalist a womb wellness and a combo practitioner and we get into her journey in this episode but in her practice moon medicine she helps people restore menstrual health and wellness with herbs ancestor work and combo and she sees our cyclical nature as a strength and powerful point of connection to the mysteries of life so yeah she's pretty fucking incredible um <laughs> We talk about a lot of different things in this episode. We get into her journey with dream work and herbs and her body and her ancestors, what religion and spirituality was like in her family growing up, how she works with ancestors, including through dreams, how she has cultivated a relationship with her ancestors in her dreams and in the waking world, accessing cyclical wisdom through working with the menstrual cycle, the gifts of the luteal phase of the menstrual cycle, which is often connected to PMS, rituals around menstruation and all the different phases of the cycle, how living cyclically, cyclically <laughs> shifts the collective away from patriarchy, when your menstrual cycle isn't in quotes, aligned with the energy of the phases of the moon. For example, if you bleed on the full moon or waning moon, or sorry, full moon or waxing moon, um, how to cultivate a more loving and trusting relationship with your cycle and your body when it can be a source of pain, working with herbs throughout the cycle, and then we talk a bit about combo. Um, combo is ancestral medicine, how working with it has helped her, and how to know what medicine to work with. 
And kind of on that note, we talked about this a little bit after we stopped recording, um, and I mentioned in the episode that I've never worked with any of these kinds of plants um, or psychedelics and have wanted to, but have never, you know, felt super called to them. Um, so I'm pretty excited to be taking mushrooms for the first time this coming weekend with my partner. Um, yeah, really looking forward to that. And eventually, perhaps I will report back <laughs> on the experience. Um, but that felt relevant to share as well. If you have any tips, feel free to to share on Instagram at E-R-Y-N-J underscore. Let me know. <laughs> um And the last thing I wanted to share before we get into the interview is you've heard me sharing about the religious trauma workbook that I wrote and started sharing last month. Um, And it's been, yeah, really lovely to connect with a lot of you over it and through it. Um, I'm holding a class for folks who have purchased the workbook, which you can still do. Um, The link is in the description, of course. It's not like in a short-term expiring thing. It's like available um, indefinitely, but the class is on January 14th at 7 p.m. Eastern, and it's really to support folks who are working through religious trauma, who are working through the workbook, and it's for, um, we're going to be doing breath work, we'll have storytelling, and you'll also have a chance to ask some questions if things have come up through working with the workbook or just like your life (laughs) in working through religious trauma there will be space for that as well you don't have to have like finished the workbook by any means at all Um, but it is a container for people who are intending to work through the workbook so um, yeah you can still get a workbook and join for the class of course until the 13th so I'll put the link in the description to that but it's a 110 page workbook that's intended to support you in healing religious trauma so you can you know, shed old shame-based religious programming and embody more of your authentic self and heal. And there's so much in the workbook around learning to access a sense of safety, around grieving and processing, um, unlearning strategies used to avoid punishment and gain rewards, healing around purity culture and shame-based programming around sexuality and pleasure there's stuff around body reclamation and reclaiming spiritual connection if you want so it's a really powerful workbook covers a lot and there's somatic exercises journaling prompts meditations rituals all of those things to help you get clarity and process and move energy and heal so yeah come join for the class if you would like and here is my interview with raven Yeah, I always like to start the show by hearing about your journey. So I would love to hear how you've gotten to where you are and the work that you do. Yeah, so I would say my journey started when I was a kid and I used to get these really intense dreams about um, about like spiders and snakes and I just was really into dream work and I got a bunch of dream books and stuff. I didn't really have anyone to... Uh, to show me or to kind of guide me in that sense. So I just learned on my own. And, um, and then when I was about 16 years old, I started getting really bad menstrual cramps. And um, 
like years ago, if you would have asked me when my journey started or about my journey, I would have said like when I got really bad pain with my cycles. But this year I looked back and I was like, wait a minute, this started way before that. This started when I was like getting into dream work and I didn't have those, um, those elders to guide me in, in exploring dreams and um, all the healing work that can happen with dreams. Because as I started working on healing myself and my menstrual cycles, I did a lot of like the standard things, diet changes, lifestyle changes, meditation and all of that. And then when I wasn't getting any better, like I reduced my pain to, from 10 days down to like three days and I wasn't getting any better from that point. And I was like, okay, I don't know what else to do. So I turned back to dream work and working with ancestors. And that's how I was able to like continue moving forward in my healing. And that took me to um, studying herbalism. I did four years of herb school. And I remember when I first started, I had no intention of like becoming an herbalist or a healer or any of that. I was just like, I need to figure out how to help myself and how to heal myself. And, um, and then I, I started to like open up to it. I was like, oh, maybe I can be an herbalist for people, but I don't think I want to get into the spiritual stuff. I'll leave that up to, you know, to the shamans and the, and the um, Sangomas and like the other, like the medicine people. And it's so funny how life works out because <laughs> I ended up having to go down that path. And when I started working with people, I was like, I can't just do herbs. I have to work with ancestors. I have to do the spiritual work with people in order to really help them. So that's kind of how my path unfolded. It really started with me um, learning about dreams for myself and working on my own womb healing and getting rid of period pain. And then it just kind of progressed into um, ancestor work and deeper spiritual work and also um, combo ceremonies and things like that. But yeah, it's been a really cool journey. Definitely. Yeah, I'm excited to get into it with you. Um, I'm curious from what you shared about like not having, you know, elders or people to support you in your dreams about what spirituality was like in your family. Like, did you grow up with religion or nothing or spirit? What, what was that like for you? Yeah, so um, I remember being a kid and my mom wanting to take us to church. And as soon as I got old enough, I was like, I'm not going anymore. <laughs> Church wasn't really for me. I was always very much a free thinker and I didn't like um, some of the principles that we were taught in church. And um, and luckily my, my mom was okay with it. And my dad, who is Afro-Cuban, um, he was still very much connected to the spiritual path in the sense that um, like every year we would go and see our family medicine man and would get um, cleansings, we would do uh, limpias or plant brushing and would receive spiritual healing and guidance and um, would he would cast shells for us and kind of give us some, some guidance about what, what was happening in our lives and what we could do to improve it and would come and do house cleansings and rituals and things like that. So I was exposed to that at a pretty young age and um, I didn't really think anything of it. It was just normal. It was just a part of life. And I think once I once I got into my healing process, I was like, oh, I need to go back to my roots and uh, lean on that a little bit more. And um, so I still see our family medicine man once a year. And um, I also love to see other healers. But um, that's that was my experience growing up. We did have that spiritual support, um, but I didn't really explore it as much when I was a kid as I did, as I do now. 
Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing. Um, and while we're talking about this, I want to ask you more about the ancestral work, like what you're, how you're working with ancestors and maybe how dreams are part of that too. Yeah. So, wow. My ancestor work has transformed over the years. Um, like I said before, when I was working on my menstrual cycle, I was calling on my ancestors for guidance on like, what do I do next? <laughs> How do I continue healing myself? And um, so I got, I, I would work with dreams and um, I remember having this really powerful dream where I was looking for an herbal program. I was having trouble finding one. And then I found one and I was like, okay, maybe this could be it. And I, I did an interview and then I had this really powerful dream where my paternal grandmother, um, we were in my maternal grandmother's house and my maternal, my paternal grandmother um, came to me and gave me this stack of books. And, um, and it was like her medicine books. And I was like, so just like, I was in tears. I was so happy. And she was like, so excited for me and so excited for me to like go down my path. And she was basically showing me that she supports me and everything that I need, like she's going to be there. And so that was like the opening <laughs> to my herb program and studying herbalism. And now um, I, I maintain an altar for my ancestors and I still do a lot of ancestral dream work. And for me now, I think, my ancestor work is focused more on my living family and um, I kind of like pay attention to my dreams and because I'll, I'll have dreams about my cousins and things like that. I'm like, okay, I need to call so-and-so my ancestors like telling me like, you need to talk to your cousin. <laughs> What's going on in your cousin's life? This is like, and it's interesting because I see myself kind of as that person in the family who is um, who is like the healer for the family and for my community. So that's kind of where my ancestral guidance and my ancestor work has like focused these days on more on like connecting with family and um, being a part of the community. And then I always turn to my ancestors for um, when I have questions about things, like what do I do? I like, I talk to my ancestors all the time and I think they're so integrated into my life now that it's just, um, it's just like having a friend. Yeah. How have you cultivated that relationship and gotten to that place where they're just like part of your life now? Yeah, um, I think over time, I got to know some of the symbolism that they would use to connect with me and paying attention to those things and having like particular dreams, like um, like having dreams about being in an airport to me is always a dream of, okay, prepare yourself because you're going to be moving in six months to a year. <laughs> and that always happens. I'm like, okay, okay, thank you for that insight. Um, but then other things like, uh, like the snakes and spiders that I used to dream about when I was a kid, um, those, those symbols still come through in my dreams today. And I've recognized that those are actually connect, connected to my ancestral lineages, the spider in particular. So um, when I see spider energy coming up, like if, I, if I'm asking a question and I'm not sure about something, I will ask and, and then all of a sudden I'll see a spider. And then that's like, that's a confirmation for me. Mm -hmm. um, I had a, sometimes when I'll do dream work, I'll wake up and I haven't really 
remembered any of my dreams or anything. I'm like, okay. Um, Cause I had asked the question before I went to bed and I'm like expecting something to come through. And then the other day I did that and I opened up my window and there's a huge spider web, like right outside my window. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> You're listening. Thank you. Um, so I think the symbolism is really, really helpful and powerful. Um, knowing the symbols that our ancestors used to connect with us is, uh, makes it easier to know when we're receiving guidance and we're kind of being um, shown a path through. Yeah. And for the snakes and the spiders, like, did you connect those to ancestors through your dreams or like how I'm asking? Cause I'm like, I don't have any ancestral symbol or I'm sure I do, but I'm like, I don't know what they are. Um, so how do you, yeah. How did you connect that? Yeah. So, well, okay. So I noticed that I started to notice this pattern where I would ask questions or, um, it would be some kind of big event in my life. So um, going to herb school, there was a lot of spider symbolism that was coming through at that time too. And I was like, noticing spiders were like jumping on me. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> and, and then when I was uh, looking for a combo practitioner uh, training program, I, I remember having, I found this program and I was like, okay, I think this one would be good, but I'm not sure if it's time yet. And and then when it was time, I had this really powerful dream about um, an electric blue tarantula and this guy was like holding it and pushing it in my face. And I was like, whoa, that's, I'm, not, I'm good <laughs> in the dream. <laughs> and then I woke up and I was like, let me look into this. And um, so in South Africa and in, in a region where I have um, some of my ancestral lineage kind of traces back to there, um, there are electric blue tarantulas. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. This is starting to make a little bit more sense. And I think it's those things that keep showing up over and over and over again. Those are really powerful. And for some people, it's going to be like animal spirits. Um, uh, ancestors come through pretty strongly with animal spirits. But then also there are certain like plants or trees that are really powerful. Um, and then other things like uh, certain certain sounds or like instruments that are really powerful. Um, song is really powerful, but anything that keeps showing up over and over again, when, when we ask questions and then um, you start to notice this, this pattern of like, man, every time I ask this question, like somebody comes through with roses or somebody is like, or you smell like cinnamon or something like that. Those little things, that we don't really think too much about. Those are like our ancestors coming through trying to tell us something. Oh, this is making me want to go back through all my dream journals and try and like <laughs> look for threads of symbolism and think about, yeah, like the questions that, cause sometimes I'll ask questions as well and I'll write them down and then I'll write down the dream the next morning. Um, this is making me want to go back through and see like if there are symbols connecting to those. It's so fascinating. Yeah. I think it's also really interesting for me to think about kind of connected, but <laughs> um, a lot of my dreams take place in my grandmother's home, like mm. a lot, probably at least a quarter of my dreams. Um, yeah, which feels powerful. That's really big. That's like, uh, th those are definitely connected to ancestry. I mean, yeah. when you think about like the fact that when our mother is in the womb, of her mother um, at 20 weeks old 
our mother has all of the eggs that she'll ever have. So we are in the womb of our grandmothers. So that's really, really, really interesting to think about. Yeah. And I love thinking about that connection too. And I think for me, it's part of like working with, as I'm like taking the jump into menstrual cycles, but <laughs> I think part of what working with that feels like is connecting to lineage, connecting to definitely, like you said, like my mom and my grandma and also just like this long lineage of people that I come from who have had a menstrual cycle and who have worked with it. Um, yeah, so I would love if you wanted to share anything about, I'm like, where to start here? Where do you usually start in talking to people about menstrual cycles, about um, like how we access our cyclical wisdom and what that means to work with a cycle? Yeah, wow, that's a really good question. And I think the first thing is definitely to learn how the menstrual cycle works. I think that's something that we don't really get education on. And I think it's really, really important because when we know how the menstrual cycle works and we know more about our bodies, then we can be more connected. It's kind of like if we, um, if there's a problem that we're facing and we don't understand the root of it, then it's kind of hard to like figure out a solution. So um, not that you have to have any kind of imbalance to connect with your menstrual cycle, but understanding how it works is the key to like, um, accessing some of that wisdom. So knowing the phases, knowing when ovulation is happening, knowing when you're going into um, like your luteal phase or when you're going into menstruation and being able to um, connect with the energy of your body because that menstrual cycle is connected to nature. Your menstrual cycle is nature. Mm -hmm. It is nature in action happening within the body. So um, the different feelings that we have, uh, the different energies that we're, we're in, um, the things that we think about during different phases of our cycle, that's all very much connected to um, our ancestry and our connection with nature. And um, as we start to become aware of like the different phases of our cycle and, um, and what's actually happening in our bodies, then it's so much easier to to start to access that wisdom. So like for me, I really love talking about the luteal phase of the menstrual cycle. I think it's one of the phases that doesn't really get as much um, praise because it's the phase that's often connected with PMS and um, kind of moodiness and all these things. And, and it's actually the cycle when we're most intuitive and we're most, uh, we're kind of starting to go from that outward follicular energy or in the ovulation energy and starting to turn inward. So it's associated with the waning moon. The moon is getting darker in the sky. And when the moon is dark in the sky, that means we have to trust our intuition when we're moving through the world. So like I compare it to being outside in, uh, or like when I wake up in the middle of the night and um, I'm, going, I'm going to the bathroom or something, I'm not turning any lights on. I'm just working with my memory and my intuition to kind of guide me. And that's what it's like when we're in the luteal phase, we're working with our intuition to guide us a lot more. Um, and it's a really transformative time. It's a really powerful time for dream work. It's a really powerful time for connecting with ancestors and learning about the things that are not working for us. That way, when we get to menstruation, we can energetically put in our intentions for releasing the things that are not working for us and, um, and kind of working with the insights that we got from our dreams as well. 
So yeah, then we start getting into all the fun like rituals around menstruation and all the different phases. And I really love working with rituals through the different phases. So the follicular phase is really great for uh, more outward things like making connections with people, finding the things that you need in order to like execute a project or um, do something that's creative. And ovulation is that really sensual time when we're connected to our bodies and um, we can create so much. And I, I remember having um, some really powerful ovulation times where I could feel this creative energy just flowing through my body. And it felt like there were rainbows like emanating from my body. It was amazing. Um, and that's really powerful energy to work with. So think about how you could channel that energy into anything that you're working on in your life and how powerful that would be. And then you get into the luteal phase and you're like, okay, what's actually working for me? What are the steps that I need to take? What do I need to move around and shift in my life in order to continue moving towards my vision and, um, and just enjoying life in the way that I want to enjoy it? Um, and releasing anything that then you get to menstruation where you can release anything that's not working for you, whether it's um, has where that has to do with like work or relationships or things that are more internal. And I like working with the um, like the late end of the luteal phase and menstruation for internal blockages and things that we are holding on to from childhood or from ancestry that we can let go of because they're actually blocking us from living our life uh, in the most brilliant way and kind of working with all the ancestral blessings that we've been given. Mm, yeah, working and living in this way feels so different <laughs> from capitalism schedule of like Monday through Friday, nine to five, you're productive all the time. And yeah, how we're supposed to show up every day. And you mentioned this before, um, before this interview, but how living this way shifts the collective away from patriarchy as well, which I would love if you wanted to share anything about that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I love this topic because it's so important. I think when we are allow, when we allow ourselves and we, and more of us are becoming aware of um, how this linear way of working and this like fitting into this capitalistic view of um, how we should be living our lives is really detrimental to our health. And I think a lot of people are facing menstrual health issues because of trying to fit in with this way of life that's just completely not aligned with our bodies and what our bodies are telling us. And our bodies are telling us to live in a way that's aligned with nature. And and when we allow that to happen, I mean, it just, it transforms everything. And we can actually be so much more productive if, if production is your focus, um, when we align in that way. Like allowing those times for rest, allowing the times for introspection, allowing the times for creation, um, and going with that flow is completely transformative in every aspect of our lives. And it changes how, how we experience our menstrual cycle. It, ex it changes how we experience our connections with others and com completely shifts our perspective and allows us to connect with our own, um, our own magic and our own, um, 
yeah, our own gifts and abilities and, and allows us to have a lot more transformation and growth in the world and health and happiness. Um, because it's just completely draining to try and live in that linear capitalistic way of life. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to see this shift happening because it's really important for us to to live more connected to nature. And I think in order to help heal our connection with nature and um, to help heal the earth and um, kind of all the things that are happening on earth and the ways that our planet is kind of suffering right now, a lot of that can be healed by slowing down and paying attention to our natural cycles. And the world is not gonna stop and end because we decide to take a rest for three days out of the month or four days out of the month. Um, it actually, the world will be flowing much more naturally and um, everyone will be a lot happier. <laughs> yes. More reps, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to me, since I started really consciously working with my menstrual cycle, which was probably about a year ago now, actually, because I had some health problems and started working with a naturopath and reading some books and that sort of started my journey with working with this for me, but it's felt like not fighting anymore, you know, like I'm just like allowing what's naturally happening to happen and not trying to fight it to be super creative, maybe during my luteal phase or to get everything done during my menstrual phase. It's like knowing that I can take that time to slow down and rest more and trusting that my cycle is going to bring me back into this creative and inspired and productive phase. And I'll still be able to do all those things and just like yeah, it feels like I'm not fighting the natural rhythm of my body and my energy anymore, which feels good. Totally. It's like trying to plant a seed in the wintertime and expecting it to like grow and flourish. Like, ah, it's not really going to work out that way. It's going to be really tough and you're going to have to bring in all these extra things to try and get that thing to grow, that seed to grow, like lights and heat and all the stuff that's and that's what we do, we, you know, we like have this modern world that we live in where we bring in all these extra things to push us through something that's not natural for us to be in at that time. That's so true. I'm curious as to how, um, so I also work with the phases of the moon, right? And they all have their own distinct energy. And like you mentioned, like the luteal phase being aligned with the waning moon. I'm curious how you think about it when how your body is moving is maybe opposite or quite different from how the moon is moving. Like, for example, my cycle is actually pretty aligned with those phases right now, but I've had times where like I'll be bleeding when it's like the waxing moon. Um, so yeah, how do you work with those different energies? Yeah, so this is a really great question because um, I know that a lot of people don't actually align with the phases. So um, typically the, um, the follicular phase is associated with the waxing moon, um, the full moon is associated with ovulation, and the uh, new moon is associated with menstruation. And for me, actually, I I fluctuate. So it really depends because I feel like there are all, there are also these other factors involved. Like I always line up with the cancer new moon every year. I bleed on the cancer new moon and then it shifts. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And then I get to, um, I get to the full moon in Aries and I'm bleeding on the full moon. 
And that's only like a, a couple months time where it kind of switches. And I, I'm starting to pay attention to that. And I think that's really good to pay attention to and possibly incorporate astrology into that and see what your body is aligning with. Because I've noticed how um, sometimes those full moon energies, when they're, when they're in the air signs, my body will bleed during those times. And then also it depends on what we're working on in our lives. And sometimes bleeding with the new moon is associated with um, new life and being in your reproductive years and um, bringing new life into the world. Whereas bleeding on the full moon is kind of associated with healing and medicine work. Um, and I think it, I think that's kind of applicable. And I think that is something where if we look at what it is that we're working on. So right now I'm working with a client who is wanting to have a baby and is bleeding with the full moon and like wants to align with the new moon. I'm like, well, wait a minute. I think the full moon is trying to tell you something here and trying to help you bring light to things and, and kind of bring up things from the past to release in order for you to get into that mode of actually, you know, creating life and bringing new life into the world. So I think it's important to pay attention to what your body could be trying to tell you. And um, that's where it's so important to be aligned with your menstrual cycle and be paying attention to things and pay attention to the feelings that you have when you are getting towards the end of your luteal phase and you're getting close to menstruation. Because a lot of times we receive a lot insight during that time. Pay attention to the things that you think about, any kind of repetitive thoughts or um, the dreams that you're having, the things that annoy you, those are going to be really big insights into like what it is that you're working on healing at that time. And then also the foods that you're craving. So that's a really great way to kind of uncover what your body could be trying to tell you. And if you're craving things that you know are not helping you in feeling good and having a healthy menstrual cycle, then um, it's really important to ask questions to your body, like, why am I craving this food? Where did this craving start? And what, what part of my being is this food nourishing? Is it nourishing a pain from my childhood or is it nourishing, um, you know, something else? So paying attention to all those things can give you clues as to like why you're menstruating during a certain phase of the moon and then looking at the moon energy and seeing what that holds can kind of help you put those pieces together. Mm. Yeah. And I love thinking about what foods that I'm interested in eating during different phases. Like I've really noticed how much my body is nourished by eating warm food, like roasted vegetables and stuff during my menstrual phase. It's like a smoothie makes me want to vomit. Like absolutely not. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but I'm wondering, as we're talking about all of this, for people who experience a lot of pain around their menstrual cycle, um, and I know that you obviously struggled with this as well, how do you cultivate a more trusting relationship with your body and with your cycle when it's also a source of pain and discomfort? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think it's important to know that when you're experiencing pain with your menstrual cycle, it's, it's a culmination point. And so it's important to look at your whole cycle and how you're paying attention to your body throughout your whole cycle. So um, 
like, for example, I have my worst cycles when I'm not paying attention to my body. And it can be sometimes really easy to do that. And I think it's because of the way we're raised and because we like, I think about when I was in school and how much I just hated just like sitting there in class all day and how I wanted to be doing other things and I had to shut down my body and stop listening to it in order to be a good student. And um, so it's something that's kind of like ingrained in us and a lot of us to not pay attention to our bodies. So paying attention to your body throughout your menstrual cycle is so important. And when your body is giving you signals um, to listen to it. And if you can't make a change in that exact moment, make sure to do something for yourself when you have the time and make time for yourself, create space for yourself and for connecting with your body and listening to your body. And um, this goes with the same with food and paying attention to how foods, different foods make you feel because food is a really big part of menstrual pain. Um, because yeah, there's just, there's just so many things that kind of come up when we eat certain foods that have to do with the physical body, but also the emotional body and the things that we're feeding when we're, when we're eating certain foods. So that's really important to pay attention to. And uh, also the relationships and the kind of people that you have around because certain people around us uh, that we have in our lives will trigger certain parts of us that are wanting to be healed. So I know this definitely happened for me. I had, I was in a relationship with someone who I remember having an argument with him when we were, um, it was like, we were arguing in my kitchen or something. And I noticed immediately, I was like, we started talking and then things started escalating. Then we got into an argument and I was just like, and then my womb was just in so much pain. I felt like I had knives in my body and I was like, whoa, that was really intense. And the thing is that I had been having dreams about this person, about like, <laughs> this is not a healthy connection. This is not healthy. Like you need to walk away from this and um, learn the lesson and keep moving forward. And I didn't listen. And um, when I had that experience, I was like, okay, this is not good for my body. My body is saying like, you need to stop this. So our body is telling us when we're experiencing pain, our body is telling us that something is going on that we need to release or we need to heal. And so paying attention to foods and um, connections with people and, um, and just the messages that you get from your body is so, so important when you're dealing with pain and you want to get rid of it. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Do you work with herbs throughout and different plants throughout a cycle? Yeah, I love working with herbs. So um, right now, I like for me personally, I'm mainly working with um, adaptogenic herbs and herbs for um, managing, like supporting my liver. Uh, liver health is really important for me. And I, because my challenge right now is mostly like not getting caught up in this cycle of like going into like overloading myself with things and leaving time, like making time for rest um, is really important for me. So I have been working with a lot of herbs for, um, for brain health and for clarity during my, uh, during my follicular phase. And I also work with like a lot of nutritive herbs. So 
Um, right now I like I'm drinking nettles and mint and chamomile. Um, so I drink a lot of those nutritive herbs and, um, I drink those kind of like throughout my cycle, the nutritive herbs, because they're just really great. And we don't really get enough minerals from our food if you're not growing your own food. So I drink a lot of um, nutritive herbs to help my body with all those things that it's kind of missing out on. But yeah, my follicular phase, I kind of focus more on brain herbs. I love bacopa. It's one of my favorite herbs right now. And it's also an herb that helps to support menstrual health. So um, bacopa and um, let's see what else. I love peony root. I usually take peony root in my luteal phase and, um, I love it because it helps to boost progesterone and, um, helps support the body in, um, in producing progesterone. And that luteal phase is the phase of the cycle when progesterone is, um, kind of, um, rising in the body. So, and then for my menstruation, I love to work with like, um, you know, your anti-inflammatories like turmeric and ginger. And I drink a lot of chamomile during menstruation. And, um, oh, but then the luteal phase is when I love to work with like dream work herbs. So I'll have mugwort in my luteal phase. I'll have anything else that helps to support me with dreaming. Um, so Tulsi basil is one that I love. And I like to work with herbs in different forms. So I'll do like my, um, I do leg massages a lot in my luteal phase um, to help with circulation um, energetically to the womb. And so I work with an herbal oil that has like lavender and eucalyptus and a few other herbs in it um, and cedar because I love cedar for grounding and helping me stay grounded through that luteal phase because sometimes I'm like so deep into myself that I'm like, what's going on outside in the world? And so that really helps. Yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing. I've been making some dream time teas of my own. What you shared about the lydial phase made me think of it because I put mugwort in there and like chamomile and a little like lavender and it's just like so nice. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, I feel like it really supports dreaming and also like sets me up for sleep in a really lovely way. Yeah. You also work with combo, right? And I mean, you're probably not doing that like throughout your cycle in different phases, but um, I would love to hear anything you want to share about working with this plant medicine and how that's helped you. Yeah. So combo is a really powerful medicine. I remember um, when I was first introduced to it, I actually I actually didn't have any interest in it at all. <laughs> I, um, I learned about ayahuasca like years ago. And then I was like, you know, I'd really like to experience that one day. And um, years went by. And then um, my friend called me. Oh, I had this powerful dream. I was walking in the jungle holding a drum that said ayahuasca on the top in red letters. And it lit up. And, um, and then my friend called me the next day. And she was like, oh, I'm going to a ceremony. Do you want to go? And I was like, yeah, I think it's time. <laughs> and, and then she was like, oh, there's going to be a, a medicine man during combo if you're interested. And I went online and I read about it and I was like, I'm not interested. <laughs> I, cause I, cause uh, what I read was that it makes you throw up and it feels really awful. And I was just like, why would I want to do that? And um, so I went and I did the ceremony and it was, it was nice. And the medicine man came and spoke about combo and, I, and then everything, like my body just turned on. And I was like, 
oh, I need to do this. I have, like, I have to do this. And I went and asked my friend, I was like, can you spot me the money right quick? I'll pay back as soon as we get home. And um, they gave me the money and I was like, okay, I'm doing it. And it was so powerful. It completely, um, like it's, so basically there are superficial burns that go on the skin. I don't know if you can see, but there are these little dots and then, um, the poison goes on top of that and it's a, it's a frog poison and it's, um, it turn it goes throughout the lymphatic system and you start to feel it throughout your body within a couple of minutes. And, um, for a lot of people, it makes their face swell and, um, uh, people vomit or go to the toilet. And for me, my first experience, when I, when it first, like when I first felt it, my whole body, all the cells in my body, just like got a wash or something. It felt like they all got turned over and um, I could feel my heartbeat in my head. And then I started throwing up. And then afterwards I felt great. I felt so amazing. I felt like so light and fresh and just like this big weight had been lifted. And, um, and it stuck with me for years. And um, it was a few years before I did my next ceremony. And by the time I got to that point, I was like, okay, Combo is something really powerful that I want to incorporate into my work at some point. And so I, um, I, I was looking for a program and then I had that dream and I, I was like, okay, this is the program I'm going. <laughs> and I went to Peru and I was living in the Amazon for about, for almost a month and um, got my training and it was really powerful experience. So many spiders in the jungle. <laughs> oh my gosh, there were so many big spiders. You're but, like, yeah, get it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. One fell right on my head, um, like two nights before I left the jungle. And I was like, okay, thank you for this blessing ancestors. I know that this is a medicine for me to work with. And, um, it's actually, so combo is a medicine that's worked with in different parts of South America, including Colombia, which is where my fraternal grandmother's lineage is from. And I think that's part of the reason why I had such a strong draw to working with it. Um, and it does, it, it clears um, energetically a lot of clouds that we could be carrying. Uh, for me, it's a really, it was a really powerful ancestral medicine and it brought up, um, it brought me clarity around ancestral trauma that was living in my body that I didn't know even existed. And so when I had that clarity, I took about a year working with um, different other plant medicines, just like flower essences and things. and um, kind of went through a path of doing some deep ancestral healing work. And at the end of that year, I went to Vancouver, Canada and did an aboga ceremony where I had the opportunity to work with another ancestral medicine. And that was a really powerful experience as well. Um, but with combo, I, I probably do ceremonies for myself like uh, twice a year now. I used to do them a little bit more frequently, but now I kind of, um, I wait until I, I feel like okay, there's a lot that needs to get moved. And um, I've kind of taken on a lot from other people. I usually do it whenever I move to a new place mm -hmm. um, to kind of clear the energy of the last place that I was living and kind of start fresh again. Um, and for people that I work with, we usually do three ceremonies um, in a row, like three days in a row. And, um, and then I tell them to wait, <laughs> give it some time because there's so much transformation that happens. And I feel like it takes a full year for you to actually see how much 
it's changed you because things get moved and we release things and it takes time to like get to know this new version of ourselves because we have to be put in situations again and then see how we just react differently and we feel differently. Um, and it's so interesting to see those changes happen over time and how, um, how we have access to more of ourselves because it also helps with like de-armoring and kind of releasing some of the armors we've built up in order to protect our softness. And um, so we have an opportunity to have some, it gives us more strength. Um, combo is, um, it doesn't have many natural predators. So um, it does give us that, that confidence and that strength to move forward in our lives and also with an open heart. So I mean, yeah. Do you think that working with an intense medicine like combo or like iboga, like it needs to be something that you feel really drawn to? Or do you think just feeling curious about it is like, yes, do it? What do you think for people um, who are thinking about doing something like that? Yeah, I think it's good to wait for the calling. And um, like, for example, I... <laughs> I feel like my my desire to work with ayahuasca was actually a calling to work with combo because um, once I discovered combo and actually had a chance to work with it, I um, I've done a couple ayahuasca ceremonies since then, but it's always been around uh, around moving towards combo. And for me, like I I learned about iboga maybe six years or seven years before I actually had the chance to sit in ceremony with it and. I put the intention out that I wanted to work with a medicine that was connected to my lineage and would help me with my healing. And, and that's it. And then I waited. And um, once the opportunity came and once I, I felt like, okay, this is, something is happening here. There's, um, I had a lot of clarity around ancestral trauma, but I knew that there was something that was just missing. And I think if you're working on healing and uh, and you get to a point where you're hitting a block, that's when those medicines are really powerful. And usually they're going to call out to you. And I think that's when it's a good time to work with them because usually you've tried a lot of other things. I don't think it's good to just be like, okay, I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to do uh, ayahuasca and then I'm going to do combo and then I'm going to go do boga and I want to do all these things without having the, um, doing the, doing the internal work. I think doing the internal work is really important to do before saying like, okay, yeah, I'm going to just put my, my energy into working with this medicine. That's going to do the healing for me. It's more so about having that relationship with the medicine, because a lot of times the medicine is working with you before you even actually consume it or um, receive it in any way. It's working through us energetically and in our dreams and when we develop a connection with it in that way, I feel like the, the ceremony can be so much more powerful and, uh, and deeply meaningful. So I think it's good to wait for that calling and um, just put the intention out that you, you're working on um, healing something or some kind of self-discovery or um, something like that, and then see where that path takes you. Mm. Oh, that's so helpful. I have, I have not done any of these plant medicines and I've, that's kind of why I've just been sort of wait, like I'm open to it, but I'm just sort of waiting for the call, which has not come yet. <laughs> um, so yeah, that feels really helpful. Thank you. Yeah. 
I want to ask you the last question that I always ask on this show, which is just, what does living open mean to you? What comes up when you hear that? I love that. Living open to me, I think, is living in connection with my body um, and living with my body as a guide and living in connection to nature as well. Um, Living open is... It's, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a really deep connection with the body. It's um, allowing my body to kind of wake up, wake me up to life and um, be a guide to all the possibilities of life. Because with, with my body as a guide, I've experienced so much of life. I've experienced so many beautiful people and um, gone to so many different um, places in the world and experienced so many things that I don't think I would have experienced if I hadn't been listening to my body. And for most of that time, my body, listening to my body was about uh, getting rid of pain and um, pain was kind of leading that journey. And recently, um, in the more recent years, I've transformed pain into joy. And so what brings my body joy is what helps me to live open. Mm. Thank you so much. Can you tell everyone where they can find you and follow you any ways that they can work with you? Yeah, so um, I'm on Instagram at Moon Medicines and I'm also on on moonmedicine.co. And I do a weekly weekly chat called Sacred Journey and it's all about um, just all the things that I've learned in my healing journey and my experience of kind of stepping onto this path as uh, a healing facilitator, a menstrual health herbalist, a medicine person. And so it's a lot of fun. It's every Monday on Instagram live at 12 o'clock Eastern time. And um, yeah, so there's that. And then of course my website, which is moonmedicine.com. Amazing. Thank you for being here and for sharing. Um, Yeah, I really appreciate it. This is so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. This has been really great. Thank you for being here. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Raven. I got a lot out of this conversation and you can probably tell what an actual genius Raven is. (laughs) Um... I also wanted to share that I'm going to link to a previous episode that I did with Marissa Correa of Cyclical Body in the description because in that episode, um, if you liked this one, you'll probably really enjoy that one. And in that episode, Marissa really breaks down what's happening physically and energetically in your body throughout each phase of the cycle. So if you're wanting to learn more about like what is the follicular phase, what is the luteal phase, what are these different phases that would be a great episode to listen to and of course check out raven's links in the description as well if you loved this episode please do tap five stars and leave a nice review it means a lot a lot a lot and it's a really nice way to be in exchange with this show I'll be back on Monday with another interview. Very excited about the lineup we have for 2021 for the podcast. Um, So stay tuned, stay in touch on Instagram at E-R-Y-N-J underscore or Patreon until then.